this is Thoughts Become Things. With each episode, we'll help you reach the highest creative potential that God has for you. With your host, a teacher, life coach, a dream coach, and motivational speaker, Jeremy Lopez. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another podcast of Thoughts Become Things. I'm Jeremy Lopez, and so glad to be with you guys again today. And I hope you guys had a good week, by the way, too. You know, um, I'm excited because there's so many things going on in the world. You know, sometimes I think people will say things such as, you know, the world's getting worse, have a lot of wars. But, you know, here's the key thing. You know, either the glass is half full or half empty. But for me, I choose. The Bible says, choose you this day whom you, whom you will serve. And I don't think that's a choice of just saying, hey, I'm going to wake up today and serve God. Or tomorrow I'm going to wake up and serve the devil, right? It's not really about that. It's about leaning your energy. What do you, what are you leaning your energy towards of your belief? What are you leaning your energy towards? Happiness or sadness or gladness or joy or, you know, or being upset or mad, right? And so it's sort of, what are you giving that energy into? And so when I think about things like that, I think to myself, you know, I want to look at the world as a glass half full. I want to look and say, I'm not affected by what goes on. I'm not affected by people. You know, I want to be able to be affected by the kingdom and to where I can affect the people that are affected by the world, right? Because let's just face it, a lot of times people don't really know who to put their faith in and, and, and feel sort of hopeless. And so those of us who have hope, we want to be able to not give them, you know, the, the system of, uh, of, you know, how to fight the system with the system. That just, that defeats the purpose. We want to be able to give them information that has nothing to do with the system, right? I mean, let's just face it, guys. You can't take on the system of this world. You just can't. I mean, why would we, right? It's like an ant taking on a horse or an elephant. You just, why try to fight a fight that you don't have to, right? If you're like me, it's called process of elimination. I want to eliminate any war I, I, that I, I, you know, that I don't have to be engaged in. Amen? And so with that said, you know, I like to be able to say that instead of teaching them how to fight the system with the system, what if we just tell them to come out from among that and begin to find the kingdom system? and realize that there's such a beauty and joy and there's such a beauty and a pleasure in just trusting God and knowing that we don't have to lean to anything of our understanding of what maybe this world is trying to sort of put into us. But we can filter through that and begin to really filter through all that junk, you know, and begin to really say, hey, I I choose to just see my world as being joyful and happy, you know, and that's really the kingdom mentality is renewing of the mind brings us to a place to say, I really just don't feel like getting exhausted or overwhelmed by the system of this world because it's just not worth it, right? And that's the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God is, is knowing that we knowing that we do have a renewed mind. A renewed mind doesn't take on something that's not renewed. And I want to say this to you. A renewed mind doesn't take on something that is, that is uh, not renewed. A renewed mind stays in the place of expansion that other people will see his good works and then glorify you know, our Father in Heaven. That, that, you know, it will cause, a renewed mind will cause us to shine brighter, not take on the darkness. Because the brighter that we shine, darkness just disappears, right? That's why I've said before, when you go into a room and you flip the light switch on, light doesn't fight with darkness, folks. That's such a bad misinterpretation of the scriptures. Light doesn't fight with darkness. Light just comes on and darkness just instantly goes away. 
It just, it just instantly shifts because the light knows what light is. And when you think about light, you realize that light, when, when you know what you are, everything else just dissolves. So today, I want to sort of touch on that for a moment, if we can. Touch on what do we do in a world, you know, that maybe pulls on us. What do we do in a world that, uh, that demands our time? What do we do? How do we respond? I was talking to a client earlier and he said, you know, some of the things he likes to teach people in the kingdom is how to respond. And if you really think about it, that's one of the problems we have in, in the church today or really within humanity is how do I respond to anything? You know, not politics, just anything. How do I respond to someone who talks ugly to me? How do I respond to, you know, a new law being implemented into in my country? Or how do I respond, you know, to this person over here who, who hates me? You know, if you think about the place of responding, and so today we're just going to sort of call it this, and that is, um, how do I respond? How do I respond to a chaotic world? How's that for a good title today for a podcast? So when we look at this planet, we have to understand the planet has its own formulated system, okay? And with a formulated system, that means it gets the opinions of people, it gets the opinions of kings and, and queens and, and, and uh, presidents and rich people and poor people and white people and black people and Asian people and, you know, all different ethnic walks of life. And they all have their eyes. There, some of them are amazing ideas ideas and opinions, while others, nine times out of ten, are just not, right? And so there's a system formulated. And with the system implemented, it sort of helps us, we think, as humans, helps us along this path to know, hey, if I want to be successful, I just go this route from what I've been told of what the system tells me. You know, if I want to be able to be rich, this is what, this is the systematic way that's sort of set up for me to be able to make it rich, right? Or be successful. And a lot of these things might sound really good. But the truth is, they're not always truth and they're not always practical. You can't really go by people's opinions that's been formulated, thrown together to create this foundation to say, this is how we do it. The truth is, there's not really a way of how to get rich. I mean, there's really not. You know, how to get rich, how to get uh, uh, rich quick. I mean, you know, I tell people, I tell people all the time, if I really want, I mean, I'm, I'm, no offense, and to be honest, but I mean, I'm really good financially in my life. Really good financially. There's no, no, you know, there's no debits here. There's no minuses here. I'm in a good place in my life. However, however, if I really wanted to be able to make good wealth, I could do it easily. And many of you probably could too. And that is write a book on how to get rich very quick. People, and especially Christians, will flock to it. Or I tell you another one, you know, how to get healed in seconds. Could you imagine, think about it, could you imagine a book that comes out that said how to get rich in seconds? Could you imagine like the thousands of people that would flock to that book? Because everybody wants what we call the microwavable effect. And the truth is there's no principle in that. There's no truth in that because first and number one key thing is there's not a stepping stones to anything in God's kingdom because it has to be ordained by the Spirit of God of what He wants for you as an individual because if not, we would be robots and he, and he would be disrespectful to treat us as animals, for lack of better words, um, of just God saying, this is how you do it. But God doesn't do that. He respects us enough because He loves us so much to say, 
Okay, for you, Jeremy, this is what you're called to do. For uh, Linda, this is what you're called to do. For Bob, this is what you're called to do. And you know what? None of the three will look the same at all because they, they, they don't need to be the same. And so with that said, we have to look to say, how do I respond to a world that has really sometimes maybe good opinions, great ideas, you know, uh, quick, rich, you know, schemes or, or, or even things that sound really great. The truth is, here's how we respond. We have to understand from what I said earlier, going back to who am I? Because who you are is how you will respond. And I want you to think about that. Who you are in your identity is how you will respond. If I look at my life and I say, let's say, for example, if I'm under the umbrella, the canopy of other people who say, fight the system, fight the system, fight the system, you know, light fights darkness, then what's going to happen in my life is I will find myself doing that. If we were to sit, let's say, law of attraction aside, or thoughts become things, or as a man thinketh in his heart, so is his, or so is he, or his world. Let's set all that aside for one. Even if I didn't really practice that, the truth is, if I really put into motion that I'm light, my job is to fight the darkness. If I, if I have the mentality, what will happen is my brain will stimulate my body and it will reinforce it. And I will truly have more of that in my life because of the fact that I will begin to focus. And what you do focus on, you do expand on. And whether you consciously realize it or not, if we set every universal law aside, if we set God's word aside, you, you have to understand that if I was to sit here and say, okay, we're going to find a yellow Volkswagen. And whoever finds a yellow Volkswagen, as many as we can count on the road as we drive together together in this car, you know, hey, we're going to get $20, right? Well, you may never see yellow Volkswagen, but yet once it's brought to your attention, you will see what you're looking for. You will see that in which you are focusing on. Whatever image is in your mind, you will see more of that. Now, does that mean it didn't exist before and you just magically caused them to appear? No, they were there the whole entire time. You just didn't see it because you were not looking for it. So if now that we know that and we put every universal law that God's established in this universe and we put law of attraction back into the mix, we put God's, you know, God's word into the mix, then we understand how much more potent that becomes. And so the response to humanity, the response to anything that comes our way should not be, I'm here to fight against the darkness. I'm here to fight against the system. Because here's the key thing you have to think about. Even in the Old Testament, an eye for an eye, an eye for an eye, but Jesus reversed that. So I don't need a kingdom system to fight against a worldly system. I don't need a light to fight against the darkness. Let me explain to you why, so you understand from a biblical point of view. Because when you understand the whole dynamics of God's kingdom, you realize we were not here to fight an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We're here to shine as light. And as I shine as light, the more of myself I know of who I am within Him, the brighter I become. The more that I understand my authenticity of who I am as a son of God in God's kingdom, the brighter I shine, the more effective I become. So my warfare is not against, my warfare is being. 
And when people begin to understand the whole concept is not this, that I'm fighting against this, I'm fighting against this, I'm fighting to be, you know, to get this president back in office, I'm fighting to get this president out of office, I'm fighting against this queen or this king over here to come down to be dethroned, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm coming against this law to, to come down and be dethroned, I'm coming against, you know, uh, uh, these people over here who are trying to do this and that in my city. The idea for all of that sounds great and it makes a great drama for a beautiful movie that would sell a lot of tickets because once again Christians, many of you love the theatrics and love against, you know, this natural war of fighting against the things that we see when we're told not to go by what we see or feel. Right? We're told to come out from them and be separate. So what is God saying then? How do I respond to all this? Here's how you respond. You don't bury your head in the sand. Your warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, which are principles, which, rep- which represent and, according to the original Aramaic, are nothing more than mindsets. So how do I engage or re- respond to maybe a system that I'm not a big fan of, or maybe people, or a situation that my family is coming against me with or this over here is happening or this arises in my job how do I overcome it here's how I overcome it is I know my weaponry a soft answer turns away wrath a soft answer turns away fighting a soft answer turns away warfare a soft answer calms down the situation isn't it interesting that that scripture is also parallel to shining bright as the light that I am because because what happens is it's not my battle the Bible says the battle is not mine the battle is the Lord's then does God let me ask you an honest question do you think God's up there fighting oh I'm fighting he's got his hands doubled up as a fist and he's fighting if God Almighty has to fight something we're all in trouble now come on folks if God's fighting for you Something's really majorly wrong with that warped picture because God doesn't have to fight for me. God's God, right? God's God. There's there's nothing God... If God has to fight... That scares me because God is supreme. There's no, there's nothing above God or beside Him. And so why would God, who made everything that is, have to fight against the thing He made? That's a scary thing. And I would say this, if that's the case, I would dare to say that He would be God. I wouldn't want to call Him God if God has to fight. Think about this. The battle of the Lord does not mean God is fighting on your behalf. This is a misrepresentation of Scripture. And I don't have time to get to the Aramaic, which I will a little bit later in Hebrew, but that's a misrepresentation of Scripture. What that means is the more that you become who you need to be to be in and through Christ, the more the warfare becomes God's, which basically says this. It says that this is becomes God's because of the fact that God is not fighting. God actually will enlighten or enhance what it is that you are in your identity that is causing the situation that's coming against you. You know, that's the key thing is God will cause the situations coming against you to, to finally die out. And that's his fight because God is not going to sit here and say, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to put my, 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 we call them in the South, my dukes up, you know, which is our fist. God is not saying, I'm going to punch you. I'm, I'm going to punch the devil. I'm gonna, you know, we, we've been watching too much Star Trek. That's not God. 
That's not God. And, and, and every one of you in your heart know that if, that if you have this image of God fighting, you know in your heart, you're like, that's a little, that's pretty scary to me, <laughs> right? Because why would God fight something he created? It's, it's, that's not what the scripture says. And so when you see that, you have to begin to understand my response is I don't have to worry about anything because it's not my battle, number one. My, my situation should be in my identity to be able to blind the darkness by being more of the light, by being more of me that God's called me to be. That's why even the Bible says the earth, creation, moans and groans and travails. It's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. It's not even waiting on God to fight. Doesn't say that. It's not waiting on, you know, uh, this to, this to go on. It's not even waiting on Christ to return. It says it's waiting on the manifestation of the sons of God. See, when you begin to manifest as the authentic, powerful, genuine you that God's created you to be in Him, so you can live, move, and have your being, then what happens is the light automatically just causes darkness to just go away. And we can see that by the natural, by walking in a room, right? And so when we understand the whole concept of what fighting really means, fighting doesn't mean I'm going to get my fist and you're going to get your fist and I'm going to punch you and you're going to punch me and may the best man win. The kingdom of God is nothing like the kingdoms of this world, folks. What we've seen in the kingdoms of this world is nothing like the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God doesn't deal with, with fighting a fist or raising a sword. The kingdom of God knows that the word of God is the sword. So there's not a sword that needs to be lifted or raised because I'm not in a natural war. What I'm, in, what I'm engaged in is a spiritual war, not with some sword or some gun or my fist or get him God, punch his lights out. None of that, none of that is even truth in the deals with the kingdom. When the Bible says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, it's letting you know it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It is sharper than a sword. So it's, it's so the word of God is quick and powerful, but it says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So it's actually above a sword. Are you with me? It says what? The word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any. Than any. It doesn't say it's sharp like a sword. It's sharper than any sword. So folks, the word of God is not a sword. Hello? It's interesting that when you talk scripture and you tell people the, the actual verse itself, what happens is people, people don't want to believe the word of God. They'd rather believe the tradition because it sounds more Star Trek and Star Wars. But it doesn't say that. It says the word of God is quick and powerful. In fact, it says it's powerful, sharper than any, than any sword, than any two edged sword. So the word of God is not a sword. It's sharper than a sword. And when the moment we take the word of God and create it to be a sword, we have lowered it to the earth's standard. The word of God is not a sword. It is sharper than any weapon on this planet. With that said, my fight does not include guns or, 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 or knives or swords or armor. What it, what it causes me to do is it causes me to raise a standard by declaration of his word because his word is sharper than any natural weapon. That's what you have. And the more that you begin to become the more person that you that God's called you to be, and the more that you get that word in you, the more that you don't have to worry about anything. 
Because you begin to dispel and put everything else under your feet because of the simple fact that you don't have to fight it. And God is not going to fight it for you. God, the battle is the Lord's, meaning that God has already overcome it for you. So there's no fighting here when it deals with a, a weapon. Right? I want you to think about that. I could give you so many more scriptures. The Bible makes it plain even in the Old Testament about a prophetic word that says that, you know, according to the last days and these days, that there's coming a season in which our swords will be turned into plowshares. So God is actually eradicating swordship mentality. And it's moving and shifting over into the plowshare mentality, which is building, planting, creating. That's what he says. That's what that means exactly. So these are the things we have to begin to look into to realize my response is not fighting a system with a system, an eye for an eye. Those things are no longer relevant to me. And if I go that route, then I'm lowering myself back in the Old Testament and not, not raising myself up to be that in Christ by obeying the things that Christ told me to do and to be and to say. So these are things I want you to tell you today. How do I respond? I skip a soft answer. I dry it up. I starve it. By, by how? By just being more of the light. By being more of me. You know, here's the key thing. When people want to engage in warfare with the devil, here's what I say. The only weapon you have, really, is knowing who you are. That's your great, anything else, no matter if you shout and scream in tongues or roll over and play dead or stand on your head or whatever. None of that, none of that is relevant. None of it's going to help you out because our greatest weapon is based on identity. Do you know who you are? Peter, who do you say that I am? Even the Son of God is saying, I'm going to show, share with you so much of identity that I'm going to start with me first. So who am I, Peter? Tell me my identity and let's see if it matches what I know that I am. And let's see if you know, if your thought matches of what I know that I am, right? And then the moment his thought matched the truth about Christ's identity, guess what? Guess what, Peter? Upon this rock, you're going to build, you know, and all of a sudden you go, you go, you dive deep into that. And so it's interesting that Jesus wanted to build and I want, you to, I want you to think about this, that Jesus wanted to actually build on a revelation based solely on identity. There you go, folks. There you go. So sit your guns, your swords, your weapons. Sit them all aside. The armor in Ephesians 6 is putting on Christ. Everybody knows that. It's putting on Christ. Read it. It just breaks down the things of Christ. That's all it does. It's not a natural armor because we don't wrestle against anything natural. And God's word is not a sword. It's sharper than a sword. Hello? So that's your response to creation. That's your response. Manifestate. Creation's waiting on your on you to manifest in your identity of who you know you are in God. And there's your sign. There's, there, there's your message right there, folks. Listen today to what these things have to say in God's Word. And you will realize how much life will be easier. Will it be challenging still? Oh, it'll be very challenging. But it'll be easier. It'll be more effective. 
You'll gain more strength, more momentum, and you'll know the truth to set yourself free today. So thank you again for tuning into this podcast, guys. I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. You guys are amazing. I'm so glad we have this worldwide audience that actually is just moving into the things of God. And I'm so honored and thrilled to be a part of this with you. I really am. This amazing journey that we're all on. With that said, let me say this as I close. I love to close with this, as you guys all know, that if you don't like your day, change your paradigm, change your thoughts. It'll change your whole entire existence. The moment you change your thoughts, the moment you ascend into a higher way of thinking and to say, I know this day is going to get better and here's how it's going to turn out for me. Your day will turn out that way. So just remember, thoughts do become things. God bless you. This has been the Thoughts Become Things podcast with Jeremy Lopez, helping you reach your highest creative potential that God has for you. For more episodes, products, and information on Jeremy, visit www.identitynetwork.net.